Hello, and welcome to Six Minute Counselor. My name is Gary, and I'm a licensed professional counselor. Each episode, we will address a topic related to your mental and emotional health in six minutes or less. I hope you enjoy. This two-parter comes from an occurrence that happens quite often. I'll have a friend or family member that will come up to me and say, I think I need to see a counselor. How do I pick one? We'll discuss different things that are important to look for in a counselor, how to understand all those letters behind the names, and some decisions to make regarding payment. First off, licenses. You'll often see things like LPC, LPCA, LMSW, LCSW, LMFT, and a whole lot more. One potential red flag is when someone calls themselves something that sounds like they'll be providing therapy or counseling, but they don't have any credentials and or education. While I'm certain there are people out there without a formal education and or license that provide great services, it's something to consider when looking for professional help. Without a license, there's also no licensing board with a strict set of rules and ethical guidelines any good counselor needs to follow. By going to someone with a license, you're going to someone that went to school, graduated, usually with their master's degree, and passed the licensing exam that ensures that they can be held accountable if they do something unethical. Any mental health professional providing counseling services should be able to provide you with that information, and if not, you can always look it up online. First, we'll look at the LPC. LPC stands for Licensed Professional Counselor. You'll see three main versions of this, LPCA, LPC, and LPCS. LPCA, which used to be called an LPCI, is what's called a temporary license. Someone obtains an LPCA when they finish their master's with the necessary classes, do a practicum, and pass the licensing exam. They then have to get a certain amount of hours under supervision of an LPC supervisor or an LPCS. This process usually takes a couple years. Once they complete their hours of supervision, they can become an LPC, which is considered a full, unrestricted license. The main difference between the two is that an LPC will have more experience than an LPCA and can provide counseling without needing supervision. Now we look at an LMSW, or Licensed Master Social Worker, and LCSW, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. These are similar to the LPC in that the LMSW is the temporary license and after the required supervision period can be upgraded to an LCSW. We'll talk in a bit about the differences in these licenses. Then you have licenses and titles like LMFT, LPA, PhD, and PsyD, to name some others. We'll be focusing on the differences between a counselor, social worker, and psychologist. If you are interested in other licenses, please do some research. Different licensing boards are often a good place to go for information on those. So what's the difference between an LPC, social worker, and a psychologist? An LPC finishes a program that is mainly focused on the courses necessary to provide counseling and therapy on the individual and group level. I know my program focused a lot on the theory behind the practice, which was invaluable for me. My professional belief is that a counselor needs to know why they are doing something, not just learning a certain modality or technique in doing it. A social work program often focuses more on administrative duties, case management, and social programs often geared towards helping underserved populations. Social work programs are often less focused on individual and group counseling, although you will find LMSWs and LCSWs who are excellent therapists. Since I'm an LPC, a lot of the information I get about social work comes from my social worker coworkers. I often hear, we don't get a whole lot of therapy training. And I know some social workers who chose that program because of the population it serves and the duties that come with it. Psychologists are those with a doctorate degree. 
While you will find psychologists who provide counseling, you'll also find them in teaching or research roles. I remember speaking with a psychologist before I went to grad school and he told me, if you want to do counseling, becoming a psychologist is kind of overkill. With the ubiquity of programs offering advanced degrees, it's also important to see if they got their degree from a reputable and accredited school. Let's talk about payment. You have two main routes, paying cash or going through insurance, and both have their pros and cons. The main pro using insurance is that it's less expensive. The cons are that you are limited to a counselor that takes your insurance, and insurance often gets to dictate at least part of your counseling journey. This means they may put a limit on how many sessions and what types of therapy they will approve. Pain in cash is often more expensive, but you do get to dictate your whole counseling journey, how many sessions you want, frequency, and who you want to see. I've spoken to counselors who don't take insurance, and they say they like that they don't have to deal with the insurance claims and the restrictions they face, but it can be more difficult to get clients who can't afford to pay cash. You can always look for a place or counselor that operates on a sliding scale but the demand for free or reduced cost counseling far outweighs the supply and you're often put on a wait list and at times a lengthy one. Next episode, we'll talk about how to pick a counselor and some important things to consider when making that decision. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional mental health diagnosis or treatment. If you have serious concerns about your mental health, Please speak with a mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your mental health.